<laughs> yes, I'm into men. Don't take care of y'all chicken. You feel me? Don't take care of y'all mental. Welcome into the Fantasy Persecution Podcast. I am your host, Brett Pelshotti. With me now, and always, is my boy Kyle Settle. What is going on, dude? Calm down. And that's not He's for you. Started. That's for everyone. He's already that starting. is for everyone. We're gonna roll right into it. Everyone, calm the hell down. Whether you think something's positive, whether you think it's negative, I don't care. Calm down. Calm the hell down down i think i speak for both of us when i say this entire month is is calm down season okay you guys need to chill unless it's trey lance trey lance to the moon <laughs> unless it's trey lance thrown to uh sherfield sherfield whatever the you yeah know, guys that accountant that's running down there <laughs> all right let's get into the news ladies and gentlemen can i please have your attention i've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story and I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Cannonball! X-Street, X-Street, read all about it. Check it out. Newspapers for sale. We have breaking news. Breaking news. I'm toasted. You are fake news. And boom goes the dynamite. All right, so preseason is in full swing. And yes, we got some takes, right? We got we to gotta talk about this. Like we said, we need to chill. We need to relax. But there's some stuff that's worth talking about. So why don't you start us off? Uh, what, do you, what did you see from Antonio Gibson this week that uh, you know could have changed your mind or confirmed what you already thought? So it's, gosh, he's, this isn't news to anyone talking about Antonio Gibson, just the situation he's in being a converted receiver, yet we're going into the season worried about his passing downs role. And I don't know if that was answered. I, I think he got... Uh, either three targets or three catches in his game the other day, but he was not playing third downs with the first team, and that is still worrisome. I see Antonio Gibson very, very similarly to how I saw Joe Mixon a few years ago, where he came into a situation where he can do it all, but he had Giovanni Bernard right there, whose best asset obviously was his pass catching, and it limited Mixon's upside for a few years there, and it looks like Antonio Gibson, if he's not going to be in that three-down role, may be looking for something similar with J.D. McKissick taking him off the field. So it is worrisome that he wasn't getting any third downs. It's not enough for me to drastically move it one way or another. He still presents a really nice floor, and he's a really good running back yeah I think um I've always been kind of the Antonio Gibson apologist you know anytime anybody brings up his concerns like you know his touchdown rate was was inflated last year he's not gonna be able to maintain that and I always thought maybe maybe you're right but also he's gonna get more passing work that's gonna offset some of that and between that and him being a another year older into the system kind of understanding getting his footing as a full-time running back not as a receiver anymore I thought that would all culminate into him having a really good season a potential RB1 season and then this happens and I granted it is week one of preseason but it does scare me you know it makes me a little less bullish I'm not off of him I still I would still take him um, in the second round hopefully as your RB2 if you're going RB in the first round that'd be great I'd still I'd still do that for sure but it is enough to scare me off a little bit our next guy Mac Jones he was throwing the rock against Antonio Gibson's Washington football team 
And I honestly think Mac Jones was the most impressive rookie I've seen so far. So as, as you know, I've seen hmm. Justin Fields today. I saw Trevor Lawrence today and Mac Jones yesterday. And I, I honestly think that he was trusted to change protections, uh, to run the hurry up offense. He was very accurate. He had a few really nice deep balls. Uh, one was caught. One was a drop. Wasn't his fault, obviously. Uh, and I just think he had a really good command of the offense. And we all know that the system that Josh McDaniels runs isn't exactly the easiest. I mean, that's just from reporting. Um, and they seemed like they trusted him to run that offense. And he did not look like a rookie, let alone a rookie with his first NFL experience in a preseason game. Yeah, it, it was really good. impressive to me. Yeah, it was just really impressive. And, and he was as advertised. You know, He was the most pro-ready quarterback coming out. Um, and I think that was obvious today. I don't think it's anything to overreact to. But it's nice to see that he is who we think he is. Right. I, I think I compared him the other day. I said he looked like Kirk Cousins at his best. And I didn't mean that as an insult, even if it sounds like it. But Kirk Cousins at his best was the guy completing 70% of his passes. And he's keeping the offense moving. And that's what Mac Jones is going to be asked to do in the New England offense. He's going to be asked to not turn the ball over. It's still going to be a run-first team. And he's going to be asked to make those easy throws on target, on time, and he proved that he could do that week one. I mean, we'll see how it is when he's not playing second, third team, but he, he passed the eye test for his first showing. Another guy who passed the eye test was the running back alongside him in the backfield, came in a little while later playing with the later teams in Ramondre Stevenson. He obviously had the huge run at the end of the game to seal it for New England, and everyone's going to go bonkers over that. But I urge you, before you just go completely crazy about Ramondre Stevenson, look back on Amir Abdullah's preseason tape from five years ago when he was doing the exact <laughs> same thing, all right? Collective deep breaths here, okay? Ramondre is young, he's a rookie, and that's exciting, but he's still third on the depth chart as of right now, probably fourth if you want to include James White in there who's going to steal all the passing downs work. I mean, he's still a solid stash. I wouldn't say stay away from him by any means, but don't get too overhyped. His opportunity is probably not going to be there right away or maybe not anytime soon at all. And shout out uh, Amir Abdullah. He's still getting carries for the Washington. He is for uh, for Minnesota. Minnesota yeah, <laughs> yeah. Week one of the preseason. You know, who would have thought he'd be just stuck in the mud there? That's been passed around so many dynasty rosters <laughs> over the years. Oh yeah, you can still talk me into him if you get me drunk enough. <laughs> oh, you you and I had plenty of conversations talking about shopping Abdullah one way or another. Oh, totally. So one guy that a lot of fantasy owners and uh, prospective drafters. We're looking to dive into this week was Jalen Hurts, and he actually had some. He had a short outing. He was only out there for I believe two series, but what I did see out of him was very accurate, considering what his uh, his reputation and what people were expecting out of him. He was really accurate in the middle of the field, which you know, as of uh, last year, we only really saw him attack the outskirts of the field. Uh, but you see him hit his tight ends multiple times. Uh, he had a few drops, so don't look at the statistics. Uh, they would have been better had those wide receivers called the ball, obviously. Shout out Jalen Rager, you suck. And then <laughs> Is he, he the also... new Aguilar? Are we going to have a viral video? <laughs> at least he was catching it. My man just started throwing babies out the window. We was catching it, unlike Aguilar. Unlike Rager. Unlike <laughs> Rager. Uh, <laughs> no, honestly, he looked good, and he used his feet. Uh, the way a quarterback was really meant to use their feet, right? He used it to navigate the pocket, not just bail on first pressure. Uh, so that was good to see if you're more of a football purist. But as a fantasy owner, you know he's still going to use his legs. He has that baseline. And uh, I think it's just a little bit of comfortability going into a draft, you know, if you're if you're looking at pulling the trigger on Jalen Hurts. 
I did like seeing, like you said, the intermediate throws over the middle of the field, and he was not afraid to try the downfield stuff. It wasn't necessarily there. Obviously, he missed Quez Watkins on what would have been, I think, a 92-yard touchdown, and that one throw had his guy beat, but just a couple steps out of sync there. I'm not worried about him in the short game. I thought he was a very accurate passer in college coming out. I really wasn't worried about what he was going to do over the short areas of the field, and that's why I think the tight ends on this team, even though they're probably going to cannibalize each other, they're going to get a lot of reception. I mean, that's not saying anything new for a Philly offense. We've been seeing the same thing for the last three years, but I think the trend continues now, even moving on to Jalen Hurts, that we're going to see Dallas Goddard, Zach Hurts, if he's still there, are probably going to combine for somewhere around 150 to 200 targets over the course of the season yeah it's been a great school offense for three years don't expect it to change <laughs> uh going out to the desert Vondell Moore man is he like he's already a hashtag fun to watch player <laughs> he is incredible dude he, he he's flying all over the field he really does make other players look like they're moving in slow motion and I yeah. know this is real anecdotal and everything but Rondell Moore had a really good profile coming to the league this is all backed up by analytics this, I'm not the only guy saying this but when you actually watch him with the ball in his hands against NFL talent, it really sinks in how special he could be. You know, obviously he is small. He's very dense, but he's but he's short, and he's only I think 180 pounds, 185 pounds. But but man, with the ball in his hands, he's he's very dynamic. He's a guy that you know he's going to see volume just with these short dump off screen passes, even some end around runs. Uh, if Cliff Kingsbury gets creative, I'm really bullish on what he could be as the uh, Robin to Nukes Batman out there in Arizona. Rondell Moore is the guy you created in Madden that you made like a really good player. But after you create it and you get him on the field, you realize you forgot to change his default height of five foot six. And at that point, it's like, well, screw it. I've already done everything else. I'm just going to roll with it. But you're right, man. He looked like a created player out there. Obviously, there's no Nuke. There's no A.J. Green, who are probably going to be the two boundary guys. But if he can carve out that slot role with Kyler Murray and how he likes to improvise and how good Rondale Moore is going to be in those improv situations, that's going to. I think he's going to be one of the biggest beneficiaries because when Kyler's rolling out and old Baby Legs is back there churning, he's looking for oh, someone legs. to come open. Look, Baby Legs, it's the criminal. I'm the killer. I'm running. I'm running real quick. Baby legs, here we go. That's the sound I make when I'm trying to run fast. I think Rondell Moore is going to be that guy more times than Knox. He's he is fast out there, man. Oh yeah, he's he's super athletic. He's like a superhero. All right, but we have to get to the main course. I know you've been licking your chops, getting ready to dive into this oh my one. Gosh. If you're a long time listener of this podcast, and when I say long time, I mean like. You know, a month ago. <laughs> hey, we're, we're nearing like that three or four month mark now. Shout out to both of y'all who've been with us the whole way. <laughs> you know we are not exactly the biggest fans of Miles Gaskin. And today, we got a big old bowl of confirmation bias. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'll let you break this one down. What do you guys say about Miles Gaskin? Oh, boy. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and reiterate. Just listen to every other show and I tear this guy down for whatever reason, which kind of sucks because I really like Miles Gaskin. But... He wasn't playing today with the first team. It was Malcolm Brown's role, and that's just not exciting at all. If this offense, first of all, we're about to talk about the passing game. Tua's in trouble if the O-line goes out there during the regular season and performs the way they did today. And that running game, if they're splitting between Malcolm Brown, Miles Gaskins, Savon Ahmed, if each of these guys are rotational players in this offense, there's going to be zero fantasy-friendly running backs coming out of this team. I, I was at least thinking that you might be able to get the year out of Miles Gaskin, but 
I would not be surprised at all if he's going to split as much time. If today was any indication as to how often he's going to be on the field, he's got a very capped ceiling. I would, I would be shocked if he reaches the 200 carry mark, even with the extra game. He might be able to get some passing downs work, but if, in, if last year is any indication, that's really not where he was excelling. He was just more efficient than he was. He was more efficient in the run game than he was in the passing game. And if they're going to make him only their third down back. That's really not his game. So I think you got to be terrified of this year. Hopefully you've been listening to us this entire offseason and you sold him for whatever you could get out of him because that stock is not going up anytime soon. Yeah, when you, when you play fantasy long enough and guys like this come around pretty regularly uh, where there's not a ton of draft capital associated with them, uh, they don't have a long history of production, there's a lot of ways that you can, can find to buy in or – completely sell out on this player but when you actually see it and you see the team make the choice to not give him a lot of work or not send him out with the ones you have to just take that for what it is it's the only evidence we really have like we had last year right but then they bring in malcolm brown in the offseason yeah and lo and behold malcolm brown's getting work with the ones that's all we know right now so we need to use what we know. And I think and, that- and we know Mike Malcolm Brown is probably going to be that goal line guy. I mean, that is that yeah. is definitely not Miles Gaskin's game. So you want to talk about high value touches, that's goal line and that's the receiving game. And Gaskin maybe do a little bit in the receiving game, but we're not talking about Giovanni Bernard and Naheem Hines, one of these types of players when we're talking about Miles Gaskin. He needs volume in order to be a fantasy asset, and it doesn't look like he's going to get it based on what we saw earlier. Totally. And, and you know, we we don't hate Miles Gaskin. We hate the fantasy the way that the fantasy community is really pumping him up because I think you're really ignoring a lot of the potential downside. And I think today we saw what the tip of the iceberg is in terms of how badly things can go for a guy like Miles Gaskin and how quickly they can go that way. Mm-hmm. You know, if if Malcolm Brown has a good week one, Miles Gaskin has zero value. It's he's done, right? Dead and buried, right? He's a, he's an undrafted free agent, so. You know, don't. I, th- I think or, is he an undrafted or, or was he a seventh? Either, seven, either way, seven, no, yeah, yeah. These hoes ain't loyal, bro. They will move on yeah. like that. Absolutely, and just like that, we're moving on. Tua Tagovailoa, Miles Gaskins, quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> what a transition! Got me hype back dude. here. Come on, dude. <laughs> that was flames. Come on, all right. Oh, you're Tua a good Tagovailoa. Uh, Tua today was was quite skittish. I was a little concerned when I first started watching him, um, a, a little skittish. But I, you know, I, I talked myself out of it. Right, he's coming off a, a season where he really was a disappointment, but in a lot of people's eyes, as a high round pick quarterback meant to save the franchise. He comes out, he's a little skittish, but then he starts getting real accurate and making decisions. And I think he got a little overconfident because there, there towards the end of his work today, he throws a red zone pick. A little up and down, a little skittish to start. Hopefully he got the nerves out. But I like the actual um, production, what we saw on the field. Where he's attacking, he's attacking deep and outside. He's attacking intermediate in the middle of the field. He's taking the short checkdowns when he needs to. So the decisions and the accuracy was all there until the very end. And I think he maybe got a little overconfident. But, yeah, get these these things out now. I still think he's very capable. I think he's going to be a really good NFL quarterback and a very capable starter for your fantasy team at some point, especially in Superflex feature QB2. I think you can be very happy about that. Now, yeah, you you and yeah. I are still very much in agreement when it comes to Tua. Today, didn't I don't think it didn't shake my faith at all. The thing that did shake my faith is what I alluded to with that offensive line. 
That, oh, it's shaky, man. I mean, hopefully they patch some stuff up before the regular season. But if Tua doesn't have time back there and he's faced with something else like what he got today, it's going to be rough. But do keep in mind he's playing with probably what will be – was playing without what probably will be his number one and number two receivers. No Will Fuller, no Devontae Parker today. So that does obviously play – a big part in it. Jalen Waddle was uh, targeted pretty heavily. We also saw a lot of Mike Asiki and just the tight ends in general getting a lot of work. So I'm really curious to see, and hopefully we can get some of these receivers into one of these preseason games. So we don't have to find this out in season, but what does Tua's decision making look like when he has that boundary receiver to go to? Because he hadn't had it last year. It was dealing with injuries. And then obviously a couple of these guys just weren't on the roster yet. So I'm not giving up. But this looks like it might be a multi-week, maybe even a multi-month figuring out process for Tua to try to get the entire offense together and see what he actually looks like with all his weapons at full strength. So what you're saying is they should have took Penny Soul. Uh, yeah, I can say that about about three teams, and they're <laughs> one of them, yeah. Yeah, and you wouldn't be wrong. All right, so that rant that you went on in the beginning of the show, you know, if people didn't catch on, that was essentially a shot at Bears fans and anybody on Twitter <laughs> at around uh, at around what four or five o'clock Central Time Eastern Time, Justin Fields took the field, and uh, slowly but surely everybody caked their pants. Justin Fields is the next. Yeah, <laughs> he's the savior bad, of man. Chicago. He's the next leader of Golly. the NFC North. No, it was pretty bad. I sent a video in our group chat of just my Twitter timeline. And I forget it was if it was Fields' fifth drive or sixth drive against the third or fourth defense, but where he finally scores a touchdown. And every single follow, I swear on Twitter, was saying something about Justin Fields. Just keep this in mind, man. His first few drives against players who are going to be in the NFL a month from now, he looked shaky. And I'm not panicking about that. I still like Justin Fields, but he looked shaky. He had a couple three and outs and... Then the third team comes in. The fourth team defense comes in. He starts moving the ball, and he looked impressive. So overall, I call it a push of a day. The thing is, like, I just really want to remind everyone, calm down. Do not make many assessments based on what you saw today. You saw his athleticism, which we knew about. You saw his ability to throw the ball, which these are all things we knew about. He struggled against good defenders. He did well against guys, like I said, who are going to be unemployed soon. So I don't think we learned much about him this, this, uh, this week in the preseason. Yeah, I think once again, similar to the Miles Gaskin thing, let's let, I mean, let's focus on the things that we know. What we know is that he's very athletic and that translated. You know, he passed the eye test of athleticism. It, it works for him. He can be a dual threat quarterback in the NFL. And also, he didn't look overwhelmed. He, he seemed very cool, calm, and collected. And, you know, whether he threw that touchdown pass and ran that touchdown pass against first stringers or third stringers, in his mind and in the mind of the Bears, coaches and, and players these are NFL players and maybe that's building his confidence and that's all we need right we just need him to get a little confidence and we know this athleticism is translating that's you know that's all we can assume that's that's all we know and that should make for a good fantasy quarterback but the the jump to the jumping to conclusions that he's now already the second best quarterback in the NFC North or you know in a year when Rodgers is gone he's going to be the king of the North like come on Chill out. Let's let's give him a solid, you know, eight weeks of his rookie year before we start making assumptions. If you're gonna freak out about what you saw from him today, about what you saw from Justin Fields, then you also need to do me a favor. You need to watch the game. 
that immediately followed with the Denver Broncos and the Minnesota Vikings. And I need you to right now go on Twitter and declare Drew Locke as a QB1 for this offseason. Because if you're going to praise Justin Fields for doing what he did, you have to give Drew Locke the credit for what he did today, which is crazy efficiency, a couple of touchdowns. He looked good out there. He did not look like the Drew Locke that we saw last year. It makes me think that he really has the step up on this job. I know the plan right now is that they're going to alternate starts between uh, him and Teddy Bridgewater, who Bridgewater also played today, didn't look nearly as capable as Drew Locke did. We've seen upside from Drew Locke before. It's we got to worry about when it finally all comes crashing down. Not if, but when it all finally comes crashing down. How does he handle it? Does he completely implode? Does he throw interceptions left and right? Does he completely shut down? Today was good, Drew Locke, and we've seen that before. But what we haven't seen is consistency. So if he can do that for one or two more games in this preseason, I like him to start week one, which is good news for pretty much all of the fantasy assets involved in Denver. Yeah, it seems like a no-brainer when you watch a guy like Drew Locke throw the ball to premier weapons. Like, he has... A threat for every situation. He has a red zone. He has a contested catch guy in Cortland Sutton. He has a short area possession receiver that also has the dynamism to take, you know, a five-yard catch into a forty-yard catch with uh, Jerry Judy. And he also has to take the top off the defense deep threat, keep a defense honest guy with KJ Hamler. So he has all these weapons. And if you think Teddy Bridgewater is not going to take advantage of those weapons, then it seems like a no-brainer to start Drew Lock. And today. He showed you what he could do on his best day, uh, what he could do with those weapons. So, I mean, shout out KJ Hamler. I love that guy. He had over 100 yards today and a touchdown. That was awesome. Um, but Jerry know, Judy it, looked it good, all, too. Yeah, he did. Jerry Judy looked really good in that game. Totally. And, uh, I mean, on a day when they win by 35 points, week one of the preseason, everyone looks pretty good. I mean, right, Patrick yeah. Satan had a pick six, their first their first round pick. So, uh, maybe not. You know, don't don't get too excited about it, but it is good to see that, you know, when these weapons get get good target quality, they can produce, and uh, you know that's what we're looking for in fantasy. Uh, is there anybody else you want to talk about before we move on to our injury roundup? Well, I mean, obviously Trey Lance is the second coming. He had his eighty-yard bomb not too long ago. He's MVP, rookie of the year at least. I mean, rookie of the year floor, MVP ceiling. I think, right? Oh, totally. I have a so we're we're doing our. Our bold takes, our hot takes episode coming up soon. And I have a little spicy one that involves Trey Lance. That's, yeah, we'll all I, that's all I have to say right now, but that's all I got. We'll see. All right. So, I'm excited for it. Uh-huh. We just got done talking about all the, all the crazy fun stuff that's happening. Let's talk about some of the more depressing uh, anti-fun injury roundup. So, Devontae Smith of the Philadelphia Eagles is day-to-day now. This is actually kind of good news considering it was a knee injury. Um, and they looked at it as more week-to-week. Now he's day-to-day. Um, I think it's just, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of what we expected at some point. It just seems to be coming a little bit sooner, uh, which is good news. You know, he should be back for week one. Um, and if, like we talked about Jalen Hurts, if you're a guy that's looking to target him, you definitely want Devontae Smith ready to go. It, it's one of those, it's similar to how we were talking about Tua, where we were talking about we want to see him on the field with his weapons before the season starts and see what that dynamic's like. Same thing, I really want to see Jalen Hurts play with Devontae Smith and see what that connection is going to be like. Because I think we have big, uh, or at least high hopes for both of these guys as far as their ceiling, but do their skill sets really mesh? I don't think right now you can say that that's a for sure thing or even a probable thing, but if we see it in the preseason, if we see it early in the season, 
it, it sends these guys stocks sky high because both of them are athletes with the potential to finish as ones at their position as soon as this year. They're both skillful enough to do it, but can they play like that together? It would have been nice to see it in the preseason where you can sort of fluff the numbers a little bit against, like I said, the second and third team defenses. But if we don't get that shot, you got to settle for hoping it happens week one. I just want him to play this week coming up against the Patriots and make Stephon Gilmore look silly in front yeah. of everybody just yeah. to see the Twitter implosion that will come <laughs> from the Devontae Smith lovers. Elijah Moore, he's been probably the mascot of our show at this point. Yeah, um, definitely. He had a little injury. So. Had a little injury, but he avoided serious injury, in quotes. Should be ready for week one. Once again, good news, um, especially if you're – you know, someone like us who thinks that Elijah Moore has a really high ceiling and a potential to be a target hog that has the yak ability to turn that into really solid production in year one. And maybe you're a, a Zach Wilson fan or somebody drafted him in, in rookie drafts. You need Elijah Moore to be prepped and ready to go. Elijah Moore is one of the very few pieces of this offense, at least fantasy wise, that I expect to be on the team here in a couple years. I think I said that a few shows ago. So it'd be nice to get him off to a good start. And it's, it seems like this is good news too, that he should be ready for week one, but it, it is making me tilt a little bit. Cause I found out today, you and I were talking about the uh, over under bets that we were making on the NFL this season. And we found the one place that we bet against each other was the over under for the New York jets win total. What is it? Six and a half, six, it was a flat six, six. even. And I took yeah. the under, you took the over. Although we are both very much pro Jets, and I think we spoke up about it, I still think it's at least a year or two away. But you're you're throwing the chips in early, saying that they're going to go what, what what you said over six. So I assume you think they're going to yeah. go about twelve and five, thirteen and four, somewhere in yeah. there. I think I don't think you listened end, to what I just said because you just agreed that you think they're going to go thirteen and four. Well, let me <laughs> let me let me talk. I was going to say. Yeah, I think they're going to the Super Bowl, and then oh, okay, you know, you're sure. an idiot, I, and I ruined it. I <laughs> took course. all the yeah. all the wind you out of your the sarcasm. You threw it out the window, so now I just uh. got to be serious. The Jets are not a good team, but I think that they're on the way up. And if you want to get value on over unders, uh, win totals, I think you have to do it early. Obviously, um, with with some of these bad teams, and six sounds like a lot, but over 17 weeks. I mean, I, I think that's doable, at least a push. I think you're going to get at least a push out of that, which obviously gives you the upside of maybe they sneak one or two out. I mean, they beat the Browns last year. If if the Jets team of last year could beat the Browns this upcoming year, I think they're going to be a lot better. The offensive line is underrated. I think their weapons are a lot better than they were last year. Quarterback play should be better. Um, you know, maybe they, they, they get lucky, get some touchdown luck late in the game and, and, and sneak a few wins out. I think it's now now's the time to get the value on them. You're not going to get it this time next year. So. Yeah, they got that win against the Browns, and all it cost them was the greatest quarterback prospect of all time. Good job, Yeah, guys. that was real dumb. <laughs> that was one of the dumbest wins you've ever seen. <laughs> oh, your boy, Rashad Bateman. I say your boy. I think we've both been pretty yeah, high on him. I was going to say, him, I but, thought this uh, was our boy. Yeah, I think we both been pretty high on him and uh, in an offseason where everybody seems to be really down on him. Uh, what are you hearing about Rashad Bateman? The whispers around training camp right now is that he's more likely to start the season on the physically unable to perform list than to be ready for week one. So very unfortunate news. Looks like it might take him a little while to get going and and, and redraft. It's, I would say that's pretty much a death sentence for someone who was probably going somewhere near the double digits for you anyway. The fact that it's going to be a low-volume offense, it's going to take him a few weeks once he finally gets out there to carve out a role, makes it really tough. But 
for the optimist, which I, of course, always am, it could turn it into a buy opportunity. You can go get Rashad Bateman if you see him not on the field earlier, if it's taken him a little while to get going. Go push in your chips for that rookie wide receiver who had a slow start because we know he has all the talent in the world. Yeah, if you're an optimist, then, you know, I have a 13-inch cock. Show wing. All right, moving on, Darren Waller, the lone asset to own in Vegas. Gave us a little scare. He wasn't at – he was not at – practice for what five six days i think in a row? it got up to like eight it was over a eight week days in a row. Jeez, yeah. yeah and that and we didn't really hear anything i mean gruden yeah. said we're not really concerned uh we're just taking it day by day something like that and then darren waller come to find out uh he has just a basic injury that they're that they're monitoring they're not very concerned with um so kind of a bit of a sigh of relief for you guys that want to take a tight end early um, uh, and, and I love Darren Waller as a player. I love his story. So this is good to hear. You know, obviously you want to get him back on the field as soon as possible. Was he your tight end one when we did position previews? Yes, he was. I think he was, yeah. Did you ever consider mm-hmm. moving him out of there when you, when you heard the news? Uh, I, I I hate to say this. When I heard that he was, you know, missing practice all those days, I was concerned that there was, there was a problem with his – uh, you know, maybe the addiction popping back up and him falling oh, back into it. Yeah. it that's, a, that's a thing that happens. I mean, we can't pretend like that, that that's not in his history. I don't want to put that on him and be like, hey, that's all you right. are. Uh, it, but, you know, he, that's that's what he sure. used to do. It's part of his life. It's something he does with every day. So there's always a chance that you fall back into that. And when we didn't know what was going on and he had just been missing practice, you know, repetitively. Right. And they were so silent about it. That was the thing. So it, it makes yeah. sense for your mind to wander a little bit. You start thinking about all the possibilities because nothing came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was concerned, but now, uh, you know, I'm good to go. I think he's still my dynasty, uh, tight end one. I think the talent and the volume is there for him to dominate for years to come. Finally on our injury roundup, Trey Quan Smith still not practicing. That coincides with Marquez Callaway having a bit of a day here in preseason week one. So uh, if you watch that game, you know, Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston didn't exactly look the best. But, you know, Traycon Smith isn't out there to soak up the targets that would be available. And that's that's just bad. You know, it's hard to it's hard to see for a guy that has always had a ton of hype and coming into the year with Michael Thomas missing at least the first half of the season. You know, he, this was his chance. This was his opportunity to take that wide receiver one role, and it's just not going to happen. Yeah, this offense is getting scarier and scarier by the day. That We were just talking about bets. Probably the one I felt the most confident in was hammering the under nine wins for the New Orleans Saints this year. I can't believe that the over-under got as high as it is. But every time I feel that way about Vegas, I end up being proved wrong. So pencil it in right now, New Orleans Saints 2021 Super Bowl champs. It The receiver room is is barren at this point. Marquez Callaway may be having a play here and there, and I don't want to take anything away from that, but he's not exactly a high-level prospect. This was an undrafted free agent, an undersized uh, receiver. No Traquan Smith. As you said, no uh, Michael Thomas. It's looking so much like Detroit by the day, where you got these guys that are flyers and might have a good week in the receiving core. I love the tight end. I love the running back. But I'm really just terrified of these wide receivers. I don't know if I won't have anything. At this point, someone in your league has picked up Marquez Callaway. And uh, Lil Jordan Humphrey scored a touchdown today. Maybe he's the number two receiver. Traquan Smith's not back. But top I think five I'm just wide receiver away. name of all time. <laughs> top five height to weight ratio in a negative way. Nah, that's dumb. Anyway. <laughs> he's like, yeah, was he? he's like 6'9", 120, so Something like that. <laughs> 
But it's definitely concerning for Traquan Smith. He's had his opportunities to step up before. Now this one's being squandered away by an injury. It's kind of making me just want to stay away. Yeah, I think it's about time you bail on him, honestly. Um, it's getting And maybe, he, maybe he's ready for week one and uh, he shows out, changes my mind. But right now, I think I'm out on him. I'm probably not. I'd rather take the shot on other guys that are healthy and have, the, have an opportunity to succeed right away. Well, it's gotten to the point that I have twice as much of of several other receivers in that passing game that I do of Traquan Smith anymore because I was stashing Marquez Callaway everywhere this offseason. And then obviously you and I, huge fans of Adam Troutman. So one of us has him everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, when, when an offense has been so good for so long and you can see the writing on the wall where wide receiver talent is dwindling, getting older or getting injured, you start to try to find the, the diamonds in the rough over there and find the heir apparent in those offenses. And... It looked like Traycon Smith for a while, and then Marcus Callaway came along. Adam Troutman seems prepped and ready to soak up a ton of volume. So, you know, that's just a little, uh, it's like a case study. You know, next time you see one of these great offenses start to get on the downswing in terms of, you know, pumping talent in, you got to try to find the diamonds in the rough there, guys yep. that are going to find take that the next line man up. Run with it. Totally. Our next segment, the meat of the show, we're going back to Rapid Fire. We did AFC. We did AFC last week. We're going, all right. We're going over to the NFC, and all right. I just need you to to use words now. I need I need you to dive in NFC North. Go. I need five minutes to clean all the spit off my computer screens. (laughs) All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna hustle through it. All right, starting at the top, or should I say at the bottom, the Chicago Bears at quarterback. We talked about Justin Fields a little bit earlier today. If you're concerned about him for this year, I think his performance today might have moved up his start date, maybe even as far as week two. I still don't think he's starting week one. I think Andy Dalton is there to be the sacrificial lamb to the Los Angeles Rams, but after that, don't be surprised to see Fields take the reins. Don't let all my negativity about all his positive tweets think that I'm down on the prospect. He's still my number three player coming out of this draft, and I think he's got a sky-high ceiling. At running back, David Montgomery, probably going underdrafted right now. I was not a big David Montgomery guy, but seeing what I saw from him last year, if he's able to command another 70-80% workload, I love him as a high-end RB2. He brings one of the highest floors as late as you can get him in drafts. Tariq Cohen, I'm giving up hands off he's only I think 26 years old which is surprising that I would give up on someone who's really probably somewhere in their prime but between the injuries and the emergence of other people in the backfield I'm probably just staying away from Tariq Cohen by the time he gets back on the field there's a good chance Fields is going to be his quarterback and we know what mobile quarterbacks mean for pass catching running backs it usually just doesn't happen that way at wide receiver, Allen Robinson, I still think he's a low-end RB, or sorry, WR1, maybe a high-end WR2, but he is coming near the end. This upcoming offseason is going to be very telling for him. He's playing on the franchise, obviously, this year, the franchise tag, so what happens to him next year is probably going to determine whether I'm a buyer or a seller of Allen Robinson right now. Call me a hold. Darnell Mooney, I'm not buying it. I've said it enough times. The guy is undersized. He's not good enough. He's a circumstantial talent. He's there because there's no one else to step up in that wide receiver two role that's why everyone's loving him in the double digit rounds but as soon as talent comes in darnell mooney's out i'm selling wherever i can at tight end huge cole Komet fan he plays with physicality after the catch he's a very much a nose to the grindstone tight end who can pick up that yak he's going to score a ton of touchdowns once he finally gets the role all to himself and the corpse of jimmy graham is gone so i'm a huge fan of cole Komet late in drafts 
Yeah, I pretty much agree with everything you said. I mean, I, I love Cole Komet. I think Jimmy Grant's still going to be a pain in the ass. And, and you know, this is Komet's job, but I think it's about an 80%. It's Komet's job. And 20% of the time, Jimmy Grant's going to come in and take away some of that volume, limit the upside of Komet at least this year. Uh, Donald Mooney, I do disagree with you. I like his talent. I think he is... He probably has the most to gain of anybody in this offense if Justin Fields is good. I honestly think that if Justin Fields is good, we know he has the arm talent to attack downfield, where Darnold Mooney is, you know, his profile leads you to think he's a downfield target, that if Justin Fields can hit him consistently, Darnold Mooney's value will skyrocket. As of right now, I think he might be a little overvalued because of the limited production we saw last year, but I do like the prospects of him being a really talented Fantasy option for you if Justin Fields hits. Uh, a Rob safest target hog that you could probably get at the at the cheapest of all of them. I mean, he's going in the early fourth round, so he could be your first or second wide receiver. And I think you would love him as your second. As a, as your first, you could you could totally do worse than him. Yeah, I like what you're saying about the Bears. All right, moving on to the Detroit Lions at quarterback, new acquisition Jared Goff. He's seen his career go at a Blake Bortles trajectory. So obviously, super flex only. He has no place in single quarterback leagues. Low floor, low ceiling, hands off pretty much everywhere. At running back, I love the value that I'm getting out of DeAndre Swift for 2021. I think he's pretty properly priced, say that five times fast, in Dynasty right now, where he's going to be a low-end RB1 with a weekly ceiling that's up there among the best because of what he does in the passing game. Jamal Williams is good in the late rounds. He proved with Green Bay that he could play on all three downs when called upon. And again, like DeAndre Swift, he can catch the ball out of the backfield. So if he is limited to that third down, two-minute drill type workload, he can do enough with it to keep him fantasy relevant. At wide receiver, I hate everybody. So whatever the reason, his heart or his shoes, he stood outside his cave, hating the fools. Rashad Perryman, I hate you. Hot barking, Apocanesia who? I... Tyrell Williams, I hate you. R.M.B. Benson, who? I hate you. Ahmad Ross St. Brown, I hate you. Hate, 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 hate. Double hate. Loathe entirely. It's none of their oh, fault, come on. but I hate all of them. I don't want anything to do with any of them. TJ Hawkinson is the next elite tight end. I've been saying it all offseason. I'll continue to say it. The way we talk about those handful of tight ends every year going into the draft that everyone on wants, TJ Hawkinson's going to be that guy come 2021. Yeah, like You know how we talk about running backs and wide receivers as like top five potential guys? With tight end, it's like top two. Like, Do you think this guy is top two upside? And I, I think Hawk does have it. I don't think he has it with Jared Goff. Uh, but I think he could have it here in the next few years, and, and I like buying into that now. I think he represents a huge tier break in the tight end landscape. I agree with everything you said about DeAndre Swift. I, I like the value you're getting on him. Uh, what, what did you want me to say five times fast? Properly priced Prop, pr- I, I position. Forgot. Properly positioned price. <laughs> yeah, that, that, I totally agree. Amon Ross St. Brown had a pretty good day. He was separating really well. I mean, he was living up to... You know, his claim to fame, what got him drafted in the third round or fourth round, whatever it was. So so if there is any receiver that I think you could buy in to, uh, you know, a low, low price guy, it would be Amon Ross St. Brown. Other than that, uh, I can't add anything to the Lions. All right, my Green Bay Packers at quarterback, the most talented to ever do it until Patrick Mahomes stepped on the football field. Aaron Rodgers. So 
It's going to be interesting what happens with Aaron Rodgers. This is 99% chances last season with Green Bay, but that doesn't mean he's necessarily done. I think best case scenario, we see him get traded next year to a Denver or a Pittsburgh, one of these places with weapons in place, because Rodgers has shown no sign of decline. He might play another three or four years. On the flip side, you can't ignore the chance that the end may be coming sooner rather than later, whether that's because of a talent fall off, which eventually gets everyone not named Tom Brady, or because he decides to hang it up. Maybe he wins the Super Bowl this year and rides off into the sunset Elway-esque. We really just don't know. Everything's on the table. His replacement, a guy that I bought everywhere that I can, Jordan Love. So I'm not going to sit here and pretend that Jordan Love is the next Aaron Rodgers. That'd be foolish. He's much more Brett Favre than he is Aaron Rodgers. And what I mean by that is he's going to present the highest ceilings and the lowest floors. But... There's a place for that, especially in fantasy. Everyone loved Jameis Winston a couple years ago in his 30-for-30 season. Just because you're not a good NFL quarterback doesn't mean you can't be great for fantasy. Love has the upside to be great for fantasy. At running back, Aaron Jones is an RB1 that's not being priced among the elites, but presents the same upside as those guys going at the top of the first round in one QB leagues. He's got the potential to be the RB1, and you can get him much later than the guys going in front of him. That's a dumb statement that I just said. You can get him later than the guys going in front of him. No shit. All right, but you can get him at a huge discount compared to the guys, the price tag that you have to pay for the Derrick Henrys and the Alvin Kamaras, but he presents the same upside. A.J. Dillon, I expect to be much more involved in the offense this year than he was in his rookie year. He's proven at the goal line and in short yardage, but he's been doing a lot this offseason in the receiving game. So while I don't expect him to take Aaron Jones off the field in the receiving game, I think he's capable enough that he may have a dozen, a couple dozen catches over the course of the season. Kylan Hill, a name to remember. He had a good uh, preseason touchdown to the Packers. Uh, day three pick. I forget if it was round six or round seven in this last draft. He doesn't have the opportunity in front of him with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, obviously, there. But an injury to one of these guys. Kylan Hill right now is the front runner for that RB3 job in Green Bay. I think an injury to either Dillon or Jones puts him in the Jamal Williams role that we saw last year, which is where he's going to be on the field enough that if you need a bye week fill and you need that flex play, he could present it to you it's still probably like i said an injury away from that happening but i love him at the end of my rosters at wide receivers Devonte adams is still my number one receiver in the league 28 years old but he's got a skill set that transcends age i don't see any decline happening for who is right now the most talented wide receiver in football at wide receiver behind him Randall Cobb is going to have a place in the Green Bay Packers offense this year, which means he may have a place in fantasy. Now, I'm not going to sit here and pretend he's going to go for 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns again, but any given week seeing his name top the stat sheet, stat sheet is very much possible. Rodgers brought him in for a reason. He's 31 years old. He's not dead. He's not the Randall Cobb that he was five years ago, but he still has that sort of wide receiver three, wide receiver four type ceiling on any given week, and there's a place for that. At tight end, Robert Tunyon is not going to repeat the efficiency he had last year. That being said, I think he's going at a value because everyone understands that. He's going so late in dynasty drafts. We see him as a low-end tight end one. He's in the prime of his career right now. He showed last year his pass-catching upside whenever he gets the ball in the uh, red zone. And outside of Devontae Adams, there's not too many other end zone hawks to take the ball away from him. So I think where you can get him right now in drafts is a steal. And then one last name to throw out there for the end of your bench, Josiah DeGuara. He was the third-round pick, I think, of 
the Packers back in 2019. Everyone paid so much attention to Jordan Love at the beginning that they completely forgot the Packers regime spent a day two pick on him. So obviously Tunyon had the breakout right after that, but Josiah Degara is a guy that they do think highly of, and I like him as a stash late at the end of my bench. Yeah, I, I like I like pretty much everything you said. I mean, Tanyan, he's a good late-round tight end target. He's going round nine, uh, so definitely later-round tight end. Pretty solid pick there. Amari Rogers is my dude. I, I like I like, I like that pick a lot. I talked to you about that a lot when they, when they picked him up. I think he is the Randall Cobb that they need, not the Did Randall I skip Cobb him? they just signed. Yeah. I feel like I skipped him. I, I, I got him written down here, and yeah, I just glazed over him. So it's very much, yeah. did you know these guys have actually known each other, Randall Cobb and Amari Rogers, for about 10 years now? He, he's been no, coaching just, him since uh, he was like 12 years old. Like, they, they oh, are prototypes geez. of each other. He's going to be the next Randall down. I literally have it written down that he's the Randall Cobb of old and the one they need, not the Randall Cobb they just signed. <laughs> that's literally what I have written down. It, then that's who he will be, but probably in 2022. Holy shit, I'm good at this. Uh, Amari Rogers is the man. Love him a lot. Aaron, jo Aaron Jones, Aaron Joles, whoever that is, <laughs> he is the safest RB1 outside of the Cook, Caffrey, Kamara trinity. Um, and then A.J. Dillon, I think he could be a touchdown hog this year. He could be one of those, he could have one of those LeGarrette Blunt double-digit touchdown seasons uh, that we don't really see coming. I think he's he might be the best second running back in fantasy, which doesn't sound like a lot, but on an offense that's going to be as good as the Packers offense is, I think you can rely on him to have some standalone value, a guy that you can use, uh, especially if you're not prioritizing running back early in the draft. And uh, Rodgers, just want to reiterate what you said. This could be the last year to get value for him. So if you're a contender, it's probably smartest to keep him. Uh, but just know that you could be stuck holding the bag when it comes to 2022 because he doesn't seem like the guy who needs football. And if he doesn't need football and he has enough money in, in the bank, you know, maybe he doesn't want to restart somewhere else next year. He'll just retire. I honestly think that might be the most likely scenario. Yeah, if you want to trade him, I wouldn't. I would not blame you for that. But if you're a contender, it's probably the safest to hold on to Rogers this year. All right, someone passed me my spitter because I'm about to dip in some skull talking about the Minnesota Vikings. You're welcome for that. All right, at quarterback. Kirk Cousins, when this contract is done, I think his days as an NFL starter are also done. He's got another couple years on his contract, and they just drafted his replacement, a guy who does everything he does but better, Kellen Mond. He can do everything Kirk Cousins does with the short throws, and he also offers rushing upside. So once you get out of the quarterbacks of this rookie class that went in the first round, Kellen Mond is one guy that, especially in Superflex, I'm keeping my eye on, and I'm getting a hold of him if I can at running back, Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison, very similar to the Tony Pollard, Ezekiel Elliott uh, sort of connection? mold, I guess you would say. Sure, connection, mold, whatever you want to call it, where Cook is the obvious one and Madison has RB1 upside if anything should happen to him. I like both these guys. They're both 25 years old. Cook obviously has the RB1 overall ceiling. It'll be interesting to see if Alexander Madison can ever carve out a standalone role the way we saw Tony Pollard do it last year with the Dallas Cowboys. Because right now, he's really just a handcuff and that's it. Can he get on the field enough in order to make himself fantasy relevant without a Dalvin Cook injury? At wide receiver, Justin Jefferson, he looks like one of the next big things. Obviously, just had the best rookie season of all time. There's no way you're acquiring him right now if you don't already have him. So I would just say keep him on your radar, know him for what he is. If he does sort of regress this next season, remember how you feel about him now and put that into practice next year where maybe you get him if he sort of falls back down to earth. 
Adam Thielen, completely out on. If I still have him on a roster, I'm not betting on another double-digit touchdown season with the amount of efficiency that he had last season. And Irv Smith, a lot of people like him late. I'm not one of those guys. He's in a situation where there are available targets, but I don't think Irv Smith is the one. He's a bit undersized for the position. He is a good athlete, but Kirk Cousins is not the type of guy who's going to sustain one of the top three running backs because of what he does in the passing game and one of the top six to eight wide receivers in the league on top of an aging Adam Thielen and an Irv Smith. I just don't think Cousins is the guy who can keep four fantasy-relevant targets. I think it's going to be more of a tight end by committee approach the way that we've seen for the last few years from Minnesota. Yeah, I agree. I think... I think Eric Smith is just another one of those Alabama tight ends. It's all show and no go. Shout out OJ Howard. Easy. Uh, I would stay away. Uh, Kirk is boring, but an okay quarterback two in Superflex. Um, I think people are valuing Justin Jefferson a little bit too high. I, like you, I think there's some regression coming. And, uh, you know, I'd like to take some of these other more proven assets. I still think he's going to be great. Um, but maybe just, maybe I'm just a little too shy to take him where he's going. And then. Thielen, depreciating asset, try to sell. And since he's depreciating, try to look for that wide receiver three in that offense that's ascending, right? Maybe good that's point. Amir Smith-Marset. Maybe that's one of those other guys. Look for one of those guys. It's a good bench add, a good stash in, in Dynasty. Maybe you get some value out of later. All, All right, right so one division down. The NFC, the NFC yep, that, North that, is uh-huh, done. Yep. I am hosting <laughs> now. Great job, Shadi. I will now send it over to you. And we'll go to the <laughs> NFC East. Uh, thank God you cut me off just to send it back to me. <laughs> <laughs> I had it. You right. got it. I'm going to start with uh, the fourth place team in this division from a year ago, the Philadelphia Eagles, my beloved Philadelphia Eagles. Make or break year for Miles Sanders. Right? I love him as an RB2 this year with weekly boom potential, but maybe I'm a homer, and you could totally talk me out of that because – I am concerned about him in multiple different facets of the game. He's never really put a full season together. Obviously, he's only had two so far, but he's never put a full season together, and I'm not sure the Eagles are as bought into him as I would be. So there's a lot of concern with him, but if he hits, I think he hits really well and, he, and because where he's going in drafts. So you can get him in the fifth round and you know think about where he was going last year, like a second-round pick. That's huge value if he does boom. So I like Miles Sanders at cost. I think he would be a great pick. Devontae Smith, I mean, you've been talking him up all offseason. Uh, he does, he, you and I, he has uh, had a few bumps and bruises, but don't think twice about it. Um, I think he's going to be a fantastic player. I mean, we saw Rondell Moore, a guy who's undersized, come in and start producing right away. I think you're going to see the same thing from Devonta Smith. Uh, Jalen Hurts, um, I feel a little bit more comfortable after seeing him again with a full offseason uh, under my belt. I also think the Eagles aren't as bought into him similar to Miles Sanders, as I would be. Um, but I think he could be a QB1 at Superflex this year. I'm more concerned about what he would be next year. If he really hits this year and the Eagles hold on to him, I mean, he has top six upside for years to come because of the rushing floor. So I would buy Jalen Hurts because the upside is so high, similar to a Jordan Love that we were talking about. The upside is there. It's worth buying into that upside and just taking your shot. And I would sell the remainder of the players, including Rager and Goddard, uh, with Ertz still in town, um, Tyree Jackson's getting a ton of hype, the third tight end. I just don't know. I don't know if Goddard's ever going to be a high enough volume tight end to be worth a high investment in Dynasty. But his reputation is there that you can get a lot out of him in trades. I would try to sell Goddard if you have him. Uh, Rager, you never like to see rookies that don't produce. It's hard to buy into them the next year 
I wouldn't mind taking a shot just because his, his athletic profile is so robust, but um, don't expect a lot. And, you know, if there's somebody out there who really wants to get him off your hands, let them do so. Get some value for him and move on. As the humble expert that I am, I understand when I have nothing to add. So great job covering your Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, there's no way you know more about the Eagles than I do. It's okay. I mean, there is, but I got to give you something. All right, moving on to the number three team in the division from a year ago, the Dallas Cowboys. So I have talked up the Dallas Cowboys offense quite a bit this offseason. I've talked up Dak specifically. I am a little concerned about this Dak injury. I mean, word is that he might play in a preseason game coming up. I think they might have put that out there just to say, oh, look, he's okay. We might throw him out in a preseason game. No shot they're putting him out there in a preseason game. Do not expect to see him there. If you like him and you think he's going to be okay, then buy him. But don't listen to the tweets and whatever comes out of Dallas. They're full of shit. Jerry Jones is, is not a guy you can just take at his word, okay? RB1 and Ezekiel Elliott this year. I'm not sure what you're going to get out of him in 2022. Uh, he is under contract. We spoke about his contract last week, I believe, or uh, maybe the week before that. Two weeks ago, yeah. Yeah, they have an out after 2022. So maybe you get him for two years. I think it's more like a one-year projection. I don't think you can look anything past this year. But this is a bright outlook for 2021. Um, I think he has top six potential for sure. Tony Pollard, another guy where you can look to this year as him maybe having some standalone value. Uh, but his contract's also expiring at the same time the the Zeke that the out in the Zeke contract is. So, you know, if Dallas wants to keep him, they're going to have to pay him right after they just got done paying Ezekiel Elliott. So I doubt that's going to happen. He might not fire as a full-blown uh, bell cow until he goes somewhere else. So you might have some standalone value this year, but don't expect a ton of work to the point where you can, you know, set it and forget it in your lineup with Tony Pollard unless there's a Zeke injury. Uh, there's two wide receivers I absolutely love in Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb, um, if, if Cooper's healthy by the time the season starts. Uh, but Michael Gallup is the one that's really interesting because, you know, according to some people, he could have a ton of value after this year. Some other people think that he's, he's leaving one of the better offenses for fantasy and football, and it's going to be hard for him to replicate some, uh, some success that he had in Dallas elsewhere with more volume. I think, I personally think he's talented enough to produce elsewhere, specifically as a wide receiver too. Not so much as wide receiver one, but look for him to get paid a year after the salary cap takes a big jump after COVID came in and knocked it way down this past offseason. So look for him to get a contract this season and team's going to buy in. A guy I think you can get now at cost that's totally worth it to have a nice big boom in 2022. Uh, potentially a tight end one combined with, between Dalton Schultz and, and Blake Jorn, but I'm not sure you can decide between them right now and know for sure what you're getting. So if you're punting the position, maybe take a shot on the, one of those guys that you like late, 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 late in drafts. And definitely not in a single-digit round. Um, but if you're into those guys, I don't mind that late shot. Are you into those guys? I'm into Jarwin, yeah. Completely ruined my joke. All right, I'll go in the reverse <laughs> order. At tight end? Yes, I'm into men. <laughs> I like Blake Jarwin as a late stash. Uh, where you're going to get him in drafts, one of your last picks – and when you, if you have to put him in your starting lineup, you're just hoping for that touchdown upside. So why not shoot for one of the best offenses in football and hope that Jarwin can come down with a TD or two before the game's up. At wide receiver, I'm going to agree with you on the CeeDee Lamb and the Amari Cooper. These guys are great, but Michael Gallup, I'm just not a fan. Unless he catches that deep bomb and scores a touchdown for you, he's really not doing anything in fantasy. It's not going to happen often, I don't think, in the situation he's in now where he's going to be taken off the field. I'm not going to close my eyes and pray that he goes somewhere that's going to keep him on the field for all three downs. At running back, 
I, I completely echo the sentiment that Tony Pollard has his own standalone value. And if anything should happen to Zeke, this is one of the highest upsides in the league. And then rounding up at quarterback, Dak Prescott, say it with me. Dak Prescott is Josh Allen, but better. Yes, Dak Prescott is Josh Allen, but better. He has the touchdown on the ground upside with a much better and more accurate arm than Josh Allen. Bold. Very bold. You heard it. Moving on to the New York Giants. Daniel Jones is bad. B-A-H-D. Bad. I don't mind him as like your third quarterback at Superflex, but totally would not want him as my one or two. Um, and they may look as early as next offseason to upgrade a quarterback. So, you know, maybe you like him, but there's no guarantee he's even going to be the starter come this time next year. Uh, Galladay, I can't pay for Galladay, his ADP. Um, it screams bust to me between the injury, coming into a new offense, bad quarterback play, uh, the offensive coordinator is not inspiring, and Jason Garrett. All these factors to me just lead to him being overvalued and an ADP I can't justify. Saquon, he's, he's really scary, dude. I thought this I thought we'd be over this injury by now. He's not like an off-my-board kind of player in Dynasty startups or anything like that because he's still really talented and, and, and not in redraft either, but... I wouldn't blame you for, for just not taking him, just realizing that where he's going is not a place you're comfortable with. Um, I, I said it before, I'll say it again, you know, you don't have to go find injuries, they'll find you in, in fantasy. So Saquon's scary, but he has the talent to be the RB1 if he can start all, you know, 16, 17 games this year. Evan Ingram, one of my more, you know, owned late round tight ends, late, late, late round tight ends. I think the targets will be there again. Uh, I think you're just counting on the usage and the depth of target to be better. And, uh, you know, you can't really count on anything like that coming out of New York. No logical coaching coming from New York. But if you get that, you know, we know he's very athletic and he could pay off a late round ADP for sure. Yeah, the Giants low-key actually have one of the most talented, I would say, fantasy rosters in the league, but it's not going to matter because Joe Judge and Jason Garrett are going to ruin them. So I'm actually going to target a lot of these guys after this season and pray that those two men are not allowed in the building next year. Yeah, that's probably a safe bet, to be honest with you. Finally, the Washington football team. So this is the team where I really like in fantasy because the ADP that you're getting a lot of these guys is fair. I like the ADP of McLaurin, Gibson, and Logan Thomas, they're all guys I would take. You know, McLaurin, a very young, potential wide receiver one season this year, if not next year. Antonio Gibson, we talked about him a little bit. There is some concern with the pass down work this year. I don't think J.D. McKissick is long for Washington. So even if he does cede some work to McKissick in 2021, Antonio Gibson is the long-term option at running back in Washington. Buy into Gibson. I think he's an RB2 this year, if not an RB1, and an RB1 for years to come. Logan Thomas, fairly old, but he transitioned to tight end later, and he had a really good season. Um, I think he's going to be the second leading target getter in that offense. Um, I would have said Curtis Samuel, but between the COVID and the injuries that he's had to start the camp, I'm a little concerned about him. His ADP was in the eighth round last time I checked. You know, maybe I, I could justify that because of his talent, and you know, he should already know this offense. Uh, because of the connection that he has to the OC and the head coach in Washington from his time in Carolina. But between the injuries and the sketchy quarterback play, I would just stay away right now. It's one of those guys that, you know, similar to Saquon, I wouldn't mind if you just took him off your board because of the concerns. And the quarterbacks, I would avoid these quarterbacks. Fitz is older. Um, he can be he can be yanked at any moment. He's totally not a guy that they're invested in, especially not long-term. 
Um, so maybe if you can sell him, if anybody thinks Fitz is going to have a great 2021 and they need that or think they need that to be a contender in Superflex, then get rid of him. Get some value for him. But don't be surprised if he's garbage. And, you know, maybe uh, Heineke comes in. And uh, I think Heineke's worth a late stash, like a, a late bench spot stash in Superflex, but that's it. Yeah, think with your head, not with your heart. It doesn't matter how much we love Ryan Fitzpatrick, the person. You got to take him for what he is as a quarterback in the National Football League. Absolutely. Now you get the chance to talk about the NFC South, one of the funnest divisions in fantasy football. NFC South. All right. Super Bowl champs, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. At quarterback, Tom Brady. With the weapons that he has, he's going to go as a value. In Dynasty, he's 4,400 years old. So you got to be terrified about whenever the end finally comes. But, I mean, you were also probably saying that three or four years ago, and look where we are. So I'm fine with having Tom Brady and holding him around for a while. Kyle Trask might be his relief, his in, his heir in waiting, but he's not Tom Brady. So anywhere other than Superflex, I'm not really planning on stashing him. At running back, don't like any of these guys, but Giovanni Bernard is definitely the biggest value because of what he brings to the passing game. If he does play that James White role for Tampa this year, then he's going to be undervalued with where he's going right now. He's still only, I think, 30 years old. So to say he could do this for another two or three years is not out of the realm of possibility. Now, wide receiver Chris Godwin is playing on the franchise tag. So if the situation is crowded right now, it may not be a year from now. He's still a talented guy, only 25 years old, has the wide receiver one upside in his range of outcomes. Mike Evans, he has the wide receiver one in his range of outcomes weekly, although not yearly. And then Antonio Brown, very much like Giovanni Bernard, someone you can get late who has that weekly upside. I'm also stashing Tyler Johnson because if Antonio Brown does decide to hang it up and Chris Godwin goes elsewhere, suddenly Tyler Johnson is one of the top two or three receivers on this team. I liked him coming out. He went to a crowded room, but he's got a couple years to learn now and he might be on the field sooner than we think at tight end oj howard rob gronkowski these guys are both dart flow dart throws rob gronkowski because of his age oj howard because of his injury history but i'm okay with stashing either one of these guys if i need a tight end yeah tom brady is kind of like the the chris carson of quarterbacks where they're a great contender piece but like good luck getting value for them in return you know at the end of this year if you're not bona fide tanking this year i would i would keep them and play them because you're not going to get enough value for them in return. Agree with almost everything else you said. The only thing I'll add is along with Tyler Johnson, I like Scotty Miller. I think he's a guy that you should stash. Uh, most comparable to Tyler Lockett, according to playerprofiler.com. Um, that's a good comparable to have and he does have some some a history of success. Only going into his third season, he's had some big time plays. I think Tom likes him. He's a guy I would stash. Down to Hotlanta and the Atlanta Falcons, Matt Ryan, 36-year-old quarterback extraordinary. He may go another few years in this league, and he has the best tight end prospect of all time to throw the football to, so why not take a shot at him if you are a contender? At running back, if you don't absolutely need Mike Davis in your starting lineup every single week, get rid of him now because I think it's probably a 60-40 chance that he loses his job at some point this season, and even if he keeps it, there's nothing telling me that he's not Todd Gurley from 2020, so I don't want anything to do with this backfield the running back who has fantasy success for the Atlanta Falcons is not yet on the Atlanta Falcons at wide receiver Calvin Ridley is going so high right now it's hard to call him a value or even properly priced he had an outstanding 2020 and I don't want to take that away from him he's a he's a good wide receiver one but I don't think he is that elite superstar who maintains those top six finishes year after year 
Russell Gage, Alameda Zacchaeus. I love both of these guys late, and they're going so late that you really don't have to prioritize getting them at all. If it takes Kyle Pitts a year before he becomes Calvin Johnson, then <laughs> Russell Gage and Alameda Zacchaeus will have 2021 to flourish. At tight end, I've made my thoughts about Kyle Pitts known. He is absolutely bust-proof. He has a floor of a mid-range tight end one. I expect him to be somewhere around there in his rookie season, and then it's wheels up looking for that yearly tight end one finish every single season moving forward. Hey, word on the street is Kyle Pitts didn't play this weekend because he doesn't know the offense yet. He's not ready yet. But everybody thinks Kyle Pitts is like a god, okay? And I think it's we need to relax a little bit. I, I don't, I'm not saying he's going to bust, but like don't expect much this year. Leonidas, you know Leonidas from 300? You know, yeah. Even a god can bleed. All right? Remember that quote. Even a god complete. Kyle Pitts is not infallible. There is a good chance because players bust, especially tight ends. There is a chance that he will not be the guy that everybody thinks he is. And we need to just admit that there is a chance. All right, okay, there's got to leave, got to leave some room for some failure here. Sam Darnold. All right, he is getting completely dismissed by the fantasy community. I want everyone to remember that there's probably like a 20% chance that he is good. And it's not a great chance, but I would say one in five times Sam Darnold plays out this season and he's actually a decent quarterback. Like, it's just it's still in the range of outcomes. Everyone remember that. So I'm fine with buying him and stashing him. I do not want to have to rely on him. Running back, Kirsten McCaffrey is the best in the business. He's the one. Cool. Moving on. I don't like Chuba Hubbard. If you want to take him because he's the handcuffed to Christian McCaffrey, I completely understand. But if I'm a McCaffrey owner, I'm not going out of my way to get him. I don't think... Hubbard's all that talented. So I really just think it's one of those products where he's in the right situation should something happen to McCaffrey. I'm not willing to buy that. At wide receiver, I'm, I'm more down on these guys than I want to be because I've been their one of their biggest supporters for the last few years. DJ Moore, I'm starting to think it's more than likely that he just is the guy we've seen him be for the last few years. And this massive breakout is never going to happen. He's just The team itself is not good enough to score 30 plus touchdowns year in and year out through the air and therefore DJ Moore is never going to score more than maybe half a dozen on any given season and because of that he's going to have a mid-range wide receiver two ceiling. I laid out all the reasons that I don't like Rodney Anderson as much as you do and the main reason is the guy behind him in Terrace Marshall. That, that kid's a stud. Anderson? What's that? You mean Robbie Anderson? Did I say Rodney? Yeah. Gosh, he will always be in my heart. I do not like Robbie Anderson as much as you, and I've heard a lot of other people actually come out with the same take as you, that he is going as a steal. I'm, I'm just not that guy. I think Terrace Marshall is taking his job. I think it happens by about the midpoint, at least by the end of this season. At tight end, Dan Arnold's getting a whole lot of buzz for camp, but he never did anything with it all those years in Arizona, so I'm really just out on this tight end position. I'm, I'm fine with Stash and Arnold or Ian Thomas if you can get them late. It is what it is there. Dan Arnold, Ian Thomas, Tommy Tremble, really confusing, not-so-talented group of tight ends. I'd just stay away if you can afford to. Um, I agree with you with the uh, with the wide receiver takes mostly. I think Robbie Anderson is more of a steal this year in terms of, like, if you need a guy to start for you this year. But I'm so high on Terrace Marshall. It's hard for me to, to keep touting Robbie Anderson knowing that Terrace Marshall is going to be the wide receiver two in that offense by the end of the year. I honestly believe that. Um, I think he's fantastic. I think what he did at LSU, playing next to guys like Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, even when those guys were gone or opting out, uh, he was still balling, um, catching a ton of touchdown passes in a bad offense this past season. Athletic profile through the roof. Terrace Marshall is a huge buy for me. And uh, Sam Donald sucks. That's it. (laughs) 
right. Uh, to New Orleans, the Saints. Oh, that quarterback room is not as good as people think. If you stash Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill thinking maybe you hit a lottery ticket if one of them gets the starting job, I got bad news for you. It doesn't matter who's starting here. Neither of these guys have QB1 upside anymore. They're both going to cannibalize each other enough that QB1 is not in their range of outcomes, even if they win the starting job. So I'm just out on the QB room as a whole. I even said coming into this year, before all the injuries severely limited the upside of these guys, that the starting roster or the starting quarterback of probably the 2023, but maybe even the 2022 Saints is not one of these guys. So I'm not investing in them in Dynasty. Running back, Alvin Kamara is as safe as they get. He's going to bring the pass catching floor and he should be regarded where he's going right now as a top three running back in fantasy and in dynasty. Latavius Murray is actually someone sneaky late who I like even without a Kamara injury. There's a good chance that Latavius Murray finishes this season with somewhere around seven, 800 yards on the ground. He's going to have weeks where he's usable in fantasy. Close your eyes, hold your nose, and press the send button whenever Latavius Murray comes up when you're talking the 15th, 20th round of your drafts. At wide receiver, Michael Thomas, you got to hold right now. His value's not getting any higher anytime soon. When he comes back, maybe then you start shopping him around. But right now, you just got to grit your teeth and, and stick it out through this injury stuff. Uh, same thing with Traquan Smith. Everything out of camp has been all Marquez Calloway. Traquan Smith hasn't been on the field practicing, so there's not a reason really to think that he's going to step into this wide receiver one position. If you think there's someone in your league who still thinks that way, then get rid of them. Sell them for what you can. Coming into this season, if you thought you were going to get a third-round pick for Traquan Smith, you probably would have taken it. I'm still taking that deal right now, even after all this is done. Marquez Callaway, he looks like uh, very similar to Darnell Mooney to me, where he's one of those guys who's going to be putting the opportunity, but I don't necessarily think he's the talented guy that's going to keep the job when more talent arrives. So if someone's willing to overpay, let them have him. And then a tight end, Adam Trout, man, is just that. He is a man. I like him to be the second target in this offense behind Kamara, at least in the first half of the season. Look for the breakout, and I'm the 516th analyst to predict that this offseason. But you'll just be the 560-something analyst to be right, because Adam Troutman's going to boom. And I just got one question for you. Would you take Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston? Or as some people know them as, Tamis? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's still it's still Jameis, but I don't I don't like it at all. It's at the point that, where I'd, <laughs> I'd really consider rather having Sam Darnold. I, I just God, don't think the depressing. upside's there. <laughs> all right. Let's close out rapid fire with the NFC West. I'll start us off the 49ers. 49ers. Most in- okay, dude. 49ers. Most interesting team in this division. Honestly, I believe that. There's so much going into this team this year that I like. Trey Lance, he could be the quarterback one as early as the second half of 2021. The quarterback one, not just quarterback one. I officially have Trey Lance over Trevor Lawrence in this rookie class. I think he is the QB1. It's a big swing, I know that, but his dual threat ability provides a higher ceiling in my opinion, and that's enough for me to put him in the situation that he's in in San Francisco above Trevor Lawrence in his situation in Jacksonville. Trey Sermon, he's the back to own here, but I don't think he's all that great. You know, I I don't know if he's the long-term option. I think most running backs can succeed in that offense, and they drafted him, so he's going to get his chance for sure. Uh, But I would keep an eye on Elijah Mitchell. I've been touting him. I think he's solid. He was only taken two rounds after uh, Trey Sermon, and we've seen two running backs being taken in the same offense at different parts of the the draft, and one being better than the one that was drafted earlier. You know, there's some history of that in Green Bay. I believe it also happened in um, 
Buffalo. Either way, uh, we've seen it happen one or two times before, so don't don't be surprised if that if that eventually happens. Keep an eye on Elijah Mitchell. Brandon Ayuk, I think he's fantastic. We saw it as a rookie when he was producing with little to no help at the end of last year against really tough competition. I believe he went over the teams he faced. It was a murderer's row uh, of teams that Brandon Ayuk went up against when he was really balling out. I think he's worth a big investment in Dynasty. Uh, one of the better young players you can get your hands on. George Kittle, he should retain his value, but like I said in previous episodes, I don't think he's really worth an investment as early as his ADP suggests, uh, which is like the early third round. Uh, once again, I'd rather have Waller, uh, Travis Kelsey, uh, guys that uh, there's been a lot of arguments for Kittle being taken over them. Debo, he's kind of confusing. I'm not sure what to expect. He's been injured quite a bit. Um, once again, we haven't seen him, like all these guys, we haven't seen him with Trey Lance yet, but if there's any guy that would be phased out with Trey Lance, a mobile quarterback who probably won't throw as much as Jimmy Garoppolo, I think it might actually be Debo. So I'm not necessarily excited about him, but I'm also not off of him. If he can stay healthy and productive and prove that to me, I'll be right back bought in. But I don't know if I'd be willing to take him at ADP or at cost right now with all of the things changing around. I think I'm just going to keep it simple and say that all the 49ers are being undervalued. I like Trey Lance, Trey Sermon, even Raheem Mostert, Brandon Ayuk, Debo, George Kittle. They're all being undervalued. I like all the Niners here. Wow. Very well. The Arizona Cardinals. Kyler is the best asset here, in my opinion. He's the quarterback three, if not quarterback two, um, in Superflex. And I, I, I love that as an investment. His age, his talent, his dual threat ability. Great option in Superflex as your first quarterback, your first pick in Superflex. Knock. Nuke, excuse me, he's still a fantastic option. It's DeAndre Hopkins for you guys who don't know that nickname. Uh, he still has wide receiver one upside, uh, but I would still take a handful of wide receivers over him just because of age concerns. I think there's younger wide receivers that I would like to have over DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, no other wide receiver here really excites me besides the aforementioned Mondale Moore, who I think is going to be the wide receiver two in this offense early in 2021 he has the ability uh to run your typical wide receiver two routes you know the in-breaking the outbreaking the possession um the possession routes the comebacks the screen passes the uh design runs i think he can really benefit from a diverse playbook that you can see with arizona um if cliff kingsbury <laughs> eventually becomes who we think that he who we thought that he was when he was coming over to arizona um, I think Rondell Moore has the most to benefit there. No tight end here worth mentioning. Uh, Chase Edmonds is my favorite of the one-year guys, like the Mike, the Mike Davises, the Miles Gaskins. But I would, I would still be selling if given the opportunity because, like I just said, I believe he's a one-year guy. Did you write Nuke in the show sheet NUK, and that's why you said Nuck? Yeah, that's why I thought. All right, for the Cardinals, Cliff Kingsbury sucks. He's not a good coach. <laughs> uh, he's going to get fired, and the team's going to take off. Everything good that the Cardinals have done in the last two years have been Kyler Murray improv plays. That's not the sign of an offensive guru as your head coach. As soon as Kingsbury's out of there, the Cardinals that are left are going to be in good shape. And the two I think we can pencil in are Kyler Murray and, like you said, Rondell Moore. like both those guys a lot. Moving on to the second-place Rams from this division a year ago. Right? They, they finished second, right? Seattle won the division? Yep, they, they got the card. All right, so the big news this offseason with the Rams was obviously that Jared Goff trade that netted them Matt Stafford. Uh, I think he's a great QB2 this year, less than ideal QB1, but you could make it work uh, in Superflex if you get really good value on other players. His ADP is QB9, so I would sell if you're not a contender just because of the age concerns, but 
I still think he's really good. He's a guy that can produce for you for, for, for some time uh, after 2021 as well. Uh, Daryl Henderson, another one-year rental in my opinion. I don't think he has the longevity in, uh, in L.A. I don't think he's going to be there for a while. He's already going into his third year, uh, so only one year on that contract after this year. Um, but that being said, I think he's an RB2 in 2021. I think he's a safe RB2. Um, but I would sell before another body comes in if you think that they are going to bring in a veteran. I still don't know where I fall on it. I would just say sell if you can. If somebody's really excited about him, you know, one of those Cam Akers owners from uh, from a draft previous before the injury, then do that. Uh, Woods and Cup, I think they're both wide receiver twos, but I would prefer Cup. I think he has more touchdown upside, and I think he'll be the highest targeted player in L.A. Uh, Tyler Higby, I think he's the best value at the tight end position. We've talked about him quite a bit. I would get him now before people get smart on him. Um, you know, if your draft is, is later on, then uh, you better just hope that ADP doesn't creep up to where it should be. Let Cam Akers be a lesson to anyone out there who doubts a single thing that I say. And on that note, I love this receiving game, but I'm going to explain why next week on the Bowl Prediction Show. I'm going to explain how much I love this receiving game. There's a lot of teasing going on here. Gosh, it's a big show. We better come through. (laughs) All right, Seattle Seahawks to close us out. Russell Wilson, a low-end QB1. Comfortable there. He's always there. Low end QB1. You can always count on the efficiency, but hold your breath for the volume. You know, if you think it's going to be more like early 2020, then you're all juiced up on, on uh, Russ Wilson. But if you think it's going to be more like the end of 2020, then it might be a bumpy road. But just just know he'll still be a QB1 at the end of the season. He always finishes there. Chris Carson, we talked about him a lot last week or two weeks ago, excuse me. I like him for 2021, but um, I. Couldn't really get rid of him fast enough after the season ends. Um, if you're a contender, I would hold him because you're not going to get a ton for him. If you're not a contender, sell him as soon as possible. Uh, DK, he's a top-tier dynasty wide receiver. Uh, DK Metcalf, that is. Once again, he thrives off of Russ's efficiency, but his targets will be low. Right? But that's that's the build. That's the type of archetype receiver that he is. And he's a deep threat. Um, he's a big-body contested catch guy. Uh, doesn't need a ton of targets to be supremely productive. Other than that, Tyler Lockett's solid, but he's almost 30 years old. I don't know how much you want to invest in him. I know a lot of fantasy analysts out there that are predicting a huge year from Tyler Lockett. If the offense comes back down to earth like it did at the end of last year and they're running a lot more, I'm not so sure you can count on it. I would still do it because I'm a huge believer in Russ Wilson, but I'm not sure if Tyler Lockett has the staying power in fantasy being almost 30 years old and in an offense that likes to run the ball a lot. Also, Jared Everett, great light or light great late target uh at the tight end position because i think that his athleticism can lead to a lot of success there will disley is coming back you know there was some hype around him at the beginning of last year but you know these tight ends are kind of mix and match for me i don't really want to rely on either one of them but maybe there's some value to be mine there yeah, the offense is going to be completely changing, and it's going to be interesting. Russ, Russell Wilson really makes his living because of what he does on deep passes and then what he does with his leg. The offense is changing to a quick pass, short area type of the field type offense. So a lot of the things we have saw Russell Wilson do or that we've seen Russell Wilson do over the last 10 years or so, they're going to change. Now, they may change for the better. He's a talented quarterback, so he, he should be able to 
go with the change all right, but it's it's going to be a different Russell Wilson this year. And then the fun fact I love to bring up the Seahawks, Dwayne Eskridge, their rookie, rookie gosh dang it, their rookie wide receiver. Just remember, I this guy I is... I Chewbacca voice right now. So I'll dub one in. <laughs> Laugh it up, fuzzball. Just remember, Dwayne Eskridge, their rookie wide receiver, is still older than DK Metcalf. Yeah, it's insane. That'll close us out for Rapid Fire. Finally done. We went through all of the AFC last week, all of the NFC this week. A ton of information, and we're just getting it out there. All our takes are out. We there. hit no every team, back. all no the players. Back. Like this, these last two shows are the check the tape shows. Well, we can go back and we could claim all of our W's or take all of our L's. I mean, your L's, so I, I can't relate. But I will be able to go back now and be like, check the tape, bro. Came out early August. Look at the quick hitters. We hit it in rapid fire, and I nailed them all. Yeah, by then we'll be at like show 200. So Something you know, like that, yeah. Flying, yeah. And our last segment, we're getting back to it. Do you remember Lavernius Coles? No. You don't remember Lavernius <laughs> Coles? This is the first the one I don't think I do. The Jets? Oh, yeah. One of the greatest uh, I remember, names yeah, in football. I, I remember Coles. Lavernius Coles now. Oh, man, I let you down. What is he, like a third round pick? Uh, yeah, th- wow, third round pick? in the 2000 draft. Good, good memory oh, <laughs> of that yeah, draft good. 21 years ago. For some reason, I remember a lot of old Jets players like Chad Pennington, Curtis Martin, oh, Lavernius sure, sure. Coles. But either way, Lavernius Coles was, fun fact, he's 43 years old now. Jesus. <laughs> wow, that old. is a fun fact. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I can't find Is that guy. sarcasm? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. We're, wow, we, we really finished poorly here. <laughs> Absolutely. Tell the people Especially where to find me. us. That was please. bad. All right. Follow us on Twitter at FLexecution. All the news goes through us. None of the clickbait. We're not trying to sell you anything. We're not trying to get the clicks. All the news, FLexecution. Follow me at FF Master Debater, even though I forgot Lavernius Coles. <laughs> Shame on you. Poor me. I yeah. suck. All right, guys. I hope you loved it. We had fun. I hope you guys did too. Have a good one. Peace.